So Brittany and I like to watch the show America's Got Talent. Anybody watch that? All right. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, they haven't come out with the Canadian version yet, right? Because they've got like Britain's Got Talent and they're, they're franchising them to like every country in the world, I think. But haven't, haven't made it to Canada yet. But there's always Canadians on the show. So I think they just um, kind of lump them together. But uh, we really like that show. It's kind of a compromise show for us. Uh, when we first got married... Uh, one of the things that Brittany really liked watching was like the singing shows, right? So like American Idol and um, um, the voice was just getting started around then. So um, which I um, am incredibly bored in those shows being tone deaf. Um, I'm like, you're having me sit here for an hour listening to people sing. And honestly, I think you sing better than any of them. So why don't we just turn the TV off and you just sing? And she's like, oh, well, be quiet. No. Um, but uh, so American, America's Got Talent became like our compromise show because it has enough singing acts for her and then enough um, other people doing dumb stuff for me. Right. And so um, but if uh, one of the things that about those kind of reality shows, the reality um, talent shows, uh, they really hinge on the judges, right? Um, because we want to uh, know what the judges are going to say. And uh, these shows have really figured out that you need at least the one judge uh, that's going to be the jerk, right? Like um, the one judge that if, if somebody's really bad, they're going to tell them you're really bad and you should never do that outside of your closet again. Like don't do that in public. Um, and so, uh, and, we, and we like that. Right, because we find that entertaining. Uh, we find that uh, just something that we, uh, you know, it, it, we're like, yeah, he's right. Um, they they shouldn't do that in public. They they need to be quiet. Um, but uh, today we're going to be talking uh, about the the issue of judging, um, not uh, talent shows, uh, but uh, people's lives, and and what that looks like and what the scriptures say about that. And so we're in Luke chapter 6, and we'll be starting in verse 37. And so Jesus is continuing in this sermon. Um, so we've been breaking up his, uh, his sermon over the past four weeks, um, breaking it up. And so it's easy to kind of lose the context of where we are. So let's go back and review uh, real quickly. Um, first, he talked about how we're blessed if we're persecuted because of him. Uh, those passages are very applicable to like our, our brothers and sisters in Iran and what they're going through and, uh, and, and the promises that Jesus made in the beginning of this sermon for them. Uh, very applicable there. Um, and then he goes into the woes uh, when we put other things before God. Um, and then the last thing we covered last week was the fact that we're to love our enemies uh, and pray for those um, who, uh, who hate us and do good to them. Um, so... Uh, he comes out of the whole passage on loving your enemies, and he goes into this next. And he says in verse 37, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the, me- with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And so... Jesus is basically saying four things here. First, he's saying, don't be judgmental. Next, he says that we should forgive people. Next, he says that we should give to others. 
And then last, he says we should be fair. That's what he's saying when he goes into this whole measure part. Um, He's talking about uh, in their culture, when you uh, bought like a grain or something like that, or um, you would, they had uh, a container that would be used for the measurement. Um, And so you would pour the grain in there. And if it was like a bigger grain, like a corn or something like that, uh, you know, honest people would do a lot of moving it around and shaking it and pressing it down to make sure it was a very accurate measure. Dishonest people would kind of pour some in and leave a lot of air in the bottom and don't get it all settled down um, so that they're selling less for the price of more. And so Jesus, when he's talking here about uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, um, he's saying when you're, when you're having business dealings, be honest, be upfront with people, um, give, you know, dear, deal fairly with others, and then it will be dealt fairly with you. And so we've kind of looked at um, the issues of forgiveness and giving uh, and being fair over the recent weeks. And so um, if, if that's something you need to really get more of, just for the rest of us while I'm preaching, just read that passage over and over again and you get that. Uh, but what I really want us to focus in on today is this issue of judging um, that Jesus starts out with. He says, judge not and you will not be judged. But yet we have other passages in Scripture um, like in First Corinthians 5 is one. And I'm going to read that. If you want to turn there, it's kind of a longer passage. So, uh, But First Corinthians 5, uh, Paul, this is after Jesus' resurrection, after the church has been established, um, and he's dealing with an issue in the church that has come up. And so he tells them this. Uh, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Um, And so there's the guy in the church that is shacking up with his stepmom. Um, And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven uh, leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened for Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of the malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. All right, so Paul is like pretty brutal here on this church, telling them, 
What in the world are you doing? Why have you not judged this man among you who is doing these these sinful things? Like, what's going on there? You guys need to get your act together. Like, you know, quit doing this. But I think it could have been easy for them to go back then and quote Jesus. And Jesus said, judge not and you will not be judged. And, uh, and so, which is it? What are we supposed to do? Is the Bible in contradiction here? Is Jesus saying one thing and Paul saying another thing? Um, is, is this a tension uh, that's going on here? What, what do we have that's happening here? And for us to understand what's happening here, I've got three points. Three points to help us understand it. First, um, we need to understand the kind of statement that Jesus is making when he says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Jesus is making a general wisdom statement, not a promise. This, these statements here are like um, the, the passages we have in like Proverbs um, in the Old Testament. Uh, statements in Proverbs like, raise up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. Um, how many of us know pe- people who were children who were taught well by their parents and, uh, and yet when they grew up they departed from the way their parents raised them? We all know someone like that. So does that mean that Proverbs is lying? No. Um, general wisdom statements are meant to do that, to p- convey general wisdom. Um, this is generally how the world works. And so the things that Jesus says here, judge not and you will not be judged, generally in the world, that is true, right? If, we, if you know someone who is very judgmental of others, what do they usually get in return? Judgmentalness. Um, people want to return that to them. Uh, for those who are condemning, they also get condemned. Uh, for those who will not forgive, they are not forgiven. But if you forgive others, are they not more likely to forgive you in turn? Yes. Um, for those people who are giving, frequently they are the ones that people want to give back to, right? Um, and so these are general wisdom statements that Jesus is saying here. Um, how do I know that? Um, because other scriptures also tell us, even where Jesus is speaking, that ultimately all of us will be judged. That at the end, uh, we will stand before God and we will be judged. And so Jesus is not making a promise that judge not and you will not be judged because ultimately he would be the one who breaks his own promise there because everyone will stand before judgment before God. And our only hope in that judgment is that Jesus steps forward and says, I have taken their place because we will be found guilty in that judgment unless Jesus intercedes for us. Um, And so... So Jesus is making general wisdom statements here. He's not making promises. Um, Even other religions in the world recognize that this is the way that things work. Um, You know, um, other religions call this like karma um, and that kind of thing. And what the authors of those religions have noticed is this is generally how the world works. Um, And so it's not that Jesus here is making these promises Um, So much as he is saying, this is how things work. This is how the world works. And here's how you should act. Um, But next we can see that Jesus clarifies his own point. Uh, He goes on uh, to tell a parable here. Um, Starting in verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Okay, 
And then here's where we want to really dig in. Here's where he really explains what he means about judging others. Um, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And so Jesus, it's really kind of comical, right? Just just picture this, okay? So you got a guy with a log sticking out of his eye, and he comes up to you to say, Hey, excuse me, you have a little speck in your eye. Let me get that out for you, right? Like Jesus is painting this word picture to show us how ridiculous we can be at times uh, when we when we are judgmental um, because we're going around looking for everyone else's faults, no matter how small, so that we can be the one to correct them. uh, When in reality, we have these major flaws going on in our own lives that need to be corrected. Uh, But frequently we can look at this passage or this. I've heard this passage even quoted where the whole. It seems like the point is to not help your brother get the speck out of your eye, out of his eye. But that's not what Jesus is saying at all. What Jesus says is, get the log out of your eye first and then help your brother. Get your own act together, get right before God, um, and then help one another do the same. And that's what he's saying when he says, judge not and you will not be judged. He's saying, before you go into judging others and trying to set their lives straight, you need to look at yourself. You need to examine yourself and you need to see um, what is there in your life that needs to be straightened out. What is there that between you and God that you need to work out first? Um, We need to take care of those things first. And so, so once we get to that understanding of what Jesus says, it's a lot easier to understand what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Um, because Paul is saying, hey, as the body of Christ, as his representatives in Corinth, you're doing a very poor job of representing Christ by letting this go on in your midst. You're letting sin reign and making the church look like the culture and everyone else around you. And because of that, your reputation is torn to shreds and your witness is useless. So you need to get this taken care of. You need to, as a church, you need to have a holy reputation because you are the representatives of Christ there. So this needs to be dealt with. And he goes on to clarify, though, we're not here to judge those who are outside of the church. For people who do not have Christ, what should we expect for them to live like? Like they do not have Christ. But yet we sh- we demonstrate and live for them the hope that is within us, the hope that we have found in Christ. And we are to live that out before them. And the key is we're to help each other in doing that. That's what both Jesus and Paul are saying. Because if you go back and read carefully what Paul says, Paul's ultimate goal for that guy is for his salvation. He's saying, hey, the way that this guy's living his life, we do not have hope for his salvation before God. And if you let him just stick in your church and you just say, hey, judge not and you will not be judged. Then ultimately, when he stands before God in the end, he's going to be found guilty. 
because his life does not demonstrate the hope that we have found. So we can have no assurance of his salvation. And so the most loving thing to do for this person is to deal with the situation. To call it what it is. And deal with it. But to do so, we need to come at it not with a spirit of superiority or even a spirit of judgmentalism. But we need to come at it with the spirit that Jesus says here. Of humbling ourselves first. Of looking at what is there in my life that needs to get straightened out. Because if we're honest, we have something. None of us are perfect. But yet we all are aspiring for perfection. And we need each other to help each other do that. And so what we need is a healthy balance. We need a healthy balance between what Jesus says and what Paul says. And I've seen this in my life err um, on, multiple, on both ways. Um, I personally have erred on both ways. Um, but uh, one time that stands out to me of somebody who was uh, mainly looking at 1 Corinthians 5 and not looking at Luke 6... Uh, I was in university, and uh, I went to a Christian university, and we had um, this drama ministry team. And it was uh, around the time when, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway was really big, so, like, the improv kind of stuff. And so uh, so I was on this improv drama ministry team. Uh, the good thing about it being improv is I did not have to memorize lines because I'm not good at that. Um, but I can just get up and talk and make stuff up. Um, and so that's what we did. We had general a general plot um, to each of our skits, but then uh, we would have fun with each other on getting there to the main message um, of the skit. But we would travel around to different churches um, and, and do these skits and stuff for them. And I remember one time uh, we went to this little church out in the middle of nowhere. And I think um, like every teenager within like 50 kilometers came um, to this thing because they had this place like there was no houses anywhere, but this building was packed out with teenagers. Um, and so we got the opportunity that night to do our drama thing and, and present the gospel. And so, you know, we got done and we're about to leave. We're getting in the van and we're just like, yay, that was awesome. You know, we, we got to share the gospel here with these people and um, so cool. And uh, the pastor's wife comes out to the van and, uh, and this was a kind of a typical thing. Um, usually in this situation, they come out and say, well, thank you guys so much for coming. We really appreciated that. This was such a good thing. Um, but instead this lady comes up and she, she walks straight up to me and she points her finger and says, you, and I was like, what did I do? And then she pr- proceeds to chew me out over a word that I used. Um, apparently I said a four letter word, um, in the presentation Um, I did not remember saying this four-letter word. Um, It was absolutely atrocious, um, according to her, that I would say the word crap. Um, And so um, I don't know what verse in the Bible it says, thou shalt not say crap, but this lady had it, okay? And she proceeded to chew me out that they were trying to instill in these kids not to say that word. And, uh, and here I was up there from the front saying that word, and this was just horrible, horrible thing. And, And just, I was like, well, we're in the South. So I'm like, ma'am, I am so sorry. I did not mean to offend anyone. I do not even remember saying that word. Um, some of the characters I would portray were ungodly characters that needed salvation. And so it might've been in that situation. I still to this day do not remember saying it. Um, I, you know, I typically do not say that word. Um, but anyway, so this lady was very offended, um, by me saying that word and she was there to right the wrong. 
Um, I don't think she was following Luke 6 um, in that situation. I don't think she was following uh, the spirit of get the log out of your own eye before you get the speck out of your brother's. Um, Because she missed the whole exciting part about the gospel being presented to all these teenagers um, and was focused in on a four-letter word that really isn't that bad of a four-letter word. So... Um, so that was one experience where I had of seeing 1 Corinthians 5 being emphasized over Luke 6. Um, but I've also seen the opposite um, where earlier in my life when I was in high school, I was in a church that we were in a very difficult situation where the youth pastor who had been there for like 20, 30 years or something like you know, he had, I, th- I think he almost had the grandchildren of some of his original youth were in the youth group at the time. Um, but just a very loved and well-respected guy. Um, but he fell into sin and uh, had an affair with one of the youth workers, um, a lady that he was actually supposed to be counseling for her marriage. Um, and it was just this horrible thing. And, uh, and yet the rest of the leadership of the church didn't know how to deal with it. And there was a lot of the talking of judge not and you will not be judged. Let's just love. Let's just forgive. Um, Let's just um, say everything's okay. Um, And it was a really, really tough situation where uh, people were not looking at like what the Bible says about the qualifications for a pastor. Um, Things like a one woman man. Uh, It's pretty specific um, that you have a good reputation with outsiders. This was very public all over our whole community, Um, you know, and it was very clear to some of us that, hey, what Scripture is saying is like, no, this guy cannot stay the youth pastor. Like, you know, yes, we love him. Yes, we want him to get reconciled with God. We want to help him reconcile with his wife and everything else. But as far as being the pastor of the church, like something's got to give here, Um, And ultimately, he did um, step down, but it was after the whole church was torn apart. And now to this day, um, that church is is just a torn thing in that community. There's still a building there. There's still a few people that go there, but it's by no means the gospel witness that it once was because they just wanted to look at Luke 6 and not 1 Corinthians 5. And what we need is a healthy balance of both. We need um, to be able to, with those who claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to lovingly go to one another and say, look, I see this going on in your life and I want to help. I want to help you in following Christ here because ultimately that's our goal. We should think about it not as judging, but more like coaching more like helping. We're not here to cast blame and to accuse and to downgrade and to belittle. But we're here to lift up. And sometimes that means correcting because we all need it. We all need correction in our life. We all need that person to come alongside us and and gently and lovingly say, hey, you might want to look at this. You know, I noticed this. You know, that, that the same lady, you know, if she was really offended, could have easily just pulled me to the side and say, hey, you know, like you said this and this offended me. And I, I just wanted you to know that would have been a totally different experience. Um, 
and I probably would have been very grateful to her and would have been very careful in future times of presenting to not say that word. Um, but instead, it was just like, holy moly, what just happened? Um, and uh, she did it in a very weird way. Um, so, uh, but when we have this balance, what it does is when we remove that log from our own eye first, it humbles us. We don't come at our brother or sister from a spirit of arrogance and a spirit of, I've got it all figured out and I'm here to straighten you out. But a spirit of humility of, look, you know, I still struggle in following Christ and I, I struggle in living like him. And, um, and so, but I need people to help me. Will you help me? And here's one way that I want to help you. I've noticed that this is going on and I want to help you in this. I want to help you through this because it's our goal to serve the Lord and to be a representative for Christ in our community. And if our lives do not match up with our message, then what do they say? We're hypocrites. And so we want our lives to match our message and we need each other for that to happen. We need to work together towards that end. And so that's why we have the church. It's one of the reasons for the church. It's helping each other be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. It's why Potter's House exists. And that's what we're here to help each other do. We don't want to be a judge who pulls people up on the stage of life just to belittle them in front of others and have them running off the stage crying. But we want to be a coach that wraps our arms around our brothers and sisters and says, let me help you. Let me help you do this better. Let me help you in your journey of following Christ. Here's what I've learned in this area. Here's how I've struggled in the past in this area. And here's what the Lord has shown me. We also need to remember to have a lot of patience with one another and a lot of grace. Because as we remove that log from our eye, we're reminded that it was a literal log that Jesus was hung on for that sin in our life. It was a cross where he bled and died because of what I have done before God and against my brother and sister that my sin, that thing that I'm trying to remove, is exactly the thing that Jesus died for. And it can only be removed because of the fact that he rose from the dead, giving me new life. And that's the hope that we all have who are in Christ. If you do not have that hope, I encourage you, just ask him. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to be made right with him. And then join us in this journey of walking with one another and striving to live like him for his glory and for his honor. I'm going to pray and then uh, the band's going to come. And while they're singing this song, we're going to go ahead and take up the, the offering for Iran um, at this time. So, 
So you can go ahead and pull out anything you need to pull out for that. But uh, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for all that you do for us. And uh, God, we thank you that we're not in this alone. Uh, We thank you that you give us the gift of one another um, to help each other in following you and becoming like Christ and what you're doing in our life. Um, And so, Lord, please uh, do not let our lives uh, reflect poorly on you and your gospel and your church, but help us to help one another glorify you by the way that we live. Thank you for encouraging us not to do this alone and also not to to come at one another out of a spirit of um, judgmentalness or hatred or anything like that, but to approach one another out of love and humility and help us to remember to do that. Lord, I I want to pray for for Kendra this morning who texted me and asked us just to pray for her as she was having a rough time. And so, Lord, we pray that you will strengthen her and come alongside her and be a source of of strength and peace uh, in her life. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you will help her in that. Uh, Once again, we pray uh, for this offering we're about to take. Um, God, we pray that this money uh, will go towards helping um, get your truth, your word, into the hands of people in a country where they can be killed for having it. And Lord, that sounds like a horrible prayer to pray. But Lord, that's how important we know that your word is. That it's more important than even our lives. Because it's the truth. It's the truth to base our lives on. And so Lord, I pray that you will protect those who receive this. Um, Lord, I pray that you will... Um, Give them opportunities to share it with others who do not know you, who do not have the hope that we find in you. Lord, for their churches there who have to meet in secret um, and uh, and in horrible situations. uh, Lord, we just pray uh, that this will be a source of encouragement to them and also um, a source of training uh, that they might be able to be more equipped and better able um, to serve you and uh, to, to just glorify you as your representatives in that country. God, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.